What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain Total Human is a complete reimagining of the daily multivitamin designed to support specific body systems on a day-to-day basis. Total Human combines many of Onnit's best-in-class formulas into a simple and effective all-in-one product, making it the easiest way to get optimized. Instead of one pill, Total Human provides two separate packs of capsules offering rich doses of earth-grown nutrients and clinically studied ingredients specifically balanced to support the brain, bones, soft tissue, along with mood, energy, immune health, and more. The day pack helps support memory and focus with Alpha Brain, gives an energy boost with Shroom Tech Sport, assists with keeping your bones and joints nourished with Strombone, and promotes more resiliency with Active B Complete. The Night Pack offers the body the mood-balancing benefit of new mood, along with the immune-supporting actions of key minerals with vitamin C and lysine. Both packs contain the edible algae spirulina and chlorella, which provide a broad spectrum of nutrients, and krill oil, which offers EPA and DHA for brain and overall system health. Total Human combines the absolute best of the Onnit product line with vital nutrients not easily obtained from food. So if you don't have time to curate your own supplement plan or you're looking to put your optimization on autopilot, relax. Onnit has done the work for you. Order Total Human and try it out for a few weeks to see for yourself. Set up a subscription, save some cash. Either way, you can rest assured that by taking these two little packs daily, you are on the path to total human optimization. Go to onnit.com slash Aubrey and save 10%. And get yourself on a subscription to this one, onnit.com slash Aubrey. Thanks, fam. Nature has always been one of my greatest teachers. And on today's podcast, we have someone who has immersed himself, who has dedicated his life's work to nature, to understanding the wilderness, to understanding the healing potential of the wilderness, of this earth that we have available to us. His name is Tim Corcoran. He's the founder of the Twin Eagles Wilderness School, we go deep, we get wild. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Tim, welcome to the wild that is on it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Aubrey. Good to be here. Good to have you, my man. Good yeah. to have you. So, yeah. you know, I always mention that, you know, nature is one of the most important medicines that we can all tap into, and it's available. For most of us, mm-hmm. you know, it's all around it. Even if in, you're in New York City, like a, a good trip to Central Park, sure, you know, can provide you a little dose. This is like a small hit of that mm-hmm. nature. I mean, it's not the Yosemite hit. It's not right. that full right. on, you know, 
big big trip yeah. or like i was in patagonia um mm. but there's something really powerful about just tapping back into the wild mm. yeah 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 the, the the wild i mean this is our our birthright our birthright right it's this is where we come from um, we've evolved from the natural world and in our modern experience uh, we have we've come become so disconnected from it and so the the medicine that it has for us the goodness uh, for our bodies our hearts our our minds our spirits is really uh, unlimited mm. it's almost like it's uh our instruments can get kind of out of tune and playing like some staccato rhythms and just caught up in the frantic nature of check my phone talk to this answer this message oh i got to talk to my girl i got the work thing i got all the emails and i got the and we're back and forth okay now watch tv to take my mind off it and detach myself completely from right. my body and then and then i'll go back into the you know it's this pattern that we get in yep. that if it was music it would sound like chaos exactly like it's not you know yeah exactly. and then you get back to nature and you hear the it's like a just a different rhythm mm -hmm. and that rhythm will start to retune your body and like be the conductor of your own internal orchestra and start to shift shit yeah exactly exactly you know i i see it as as a couple of different ways right on the one hand nature is really healing for us and on the other hand nature is really holing right this idea that um um, as human beings, um, we have certain needs, right? And there's some that are really widely recognized. We've got shelter, water, fire, and food. But our connection to nature is inherent to who we are, right? Um, I think of um, attachment theory. You're probably familiar with that, right? This idea that, hey, we all need a healthy relationship with our mothers and fathers from a very young age, from the very beginning. And if we don't have that, there's going to be issues. We're going to, we're going to pay a price later on in life. And, um, and that's been well-researched, right? Especially the last 50 years. But what has been less well-researched and really needs to be is the importance of having a healthy attachment to nature, mm -hmm. right? That this is where we come from. And as a wilderness guide and a nature-based mentor the, since, you know, 99, so about 20 years now, um, I've seen this over and over and over. And when people come back to the natural world, uh, they come back to themselves, right? Mm. Um, the stress and yeah, all the outer stuff, the, the, the monkey mind and all that madness quiets down, but something deeper happens as well, right? They start to tap in to who they are as a person, to their place in the world, to their soul, right? Their calling. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's um, my deepest joy is guiding people on that journey. What is it then? What is it about? I mean, is it this, is it this theory? Is, is my musical nature having a different rhythm? It's reorienting our own rhythm. Is that, is that really what you think is happening? Or do you think it's, it's something else or something deeper? Like what is the process by which people can tap into their higher potentials yeah. when, when they are exposed to nature. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, I look at uh, cultivating a relationship with nature as a developmental need that's been largely missing, right, in our world, especially the last, what, 100 years. Uh, but this is something that we've all had in our evolution as we've grown as human beings here on the planet. <clears throat> so when this comes back on board, um, yeah, the impacts are holistic, right? So body, heart, mind, spirit, and it's it's interesting right because um so i'm the founder of twin eagles wilderness school up in idaho 
And I've done that work, like I said, for 20 years. And over the last two, three years, my work has shifted. And I've, I've uh, been working as a, a nature-based purpose guide. And so, you know, what happens is that what I found is that in the early years, I would bring, people would come to me and they'd say, hey, I want to uh, develop a, a deeper relationship to nature. I'm feeling the call, right? Um, I, I don't know why always, but I know that I want to connect deeply with nature. And so they would, right? And I would, I teach old school skills, so wilderness survival, you know, making shelters and uh, rubbing sticks together to make fire and uh, edible medicinal plants all this kind of thing, wildlife tracking. And, uh, but, some, but beyond the connection to nature you know, and all that de-stressing and everything else, people would come into this deeper connection with their, with their purpose, with their, their spiritual sense of calling in life. And at first, because um, you know, I always felt that myself, and at first I didn't quite understand it, but as it continued and the pattern continued to play out and I tracked that, I realized that, oh, this is... This is something really essential to who we are as human beings. And so I think a big part of how that works, you know, when I think of uh, purpose, it's, uh, I think of connecting with soul, mm. right? And uh, How do you define soul? Sure, soul. Well, uh, at, the, at the basic, most basic level, it's our deepest essence as a human being, right? It's uh, our soul is our place in the natural world our place in the world yeah our piece of the all exactly yeah so i don't look at it though as spiritual right because a lot of people do um are you familiar with the, the three worlds model no yeah so um so you can imagine three circles right stacked vertically the center being the middle world the top being the upper world and the bottom being the lower world middle world is the realm of ego and by ego, I simply mean who I'm referring to when I say the word I. Uh, upper world is the realm of spirit, right? And the lower world is the realm of soul. So every, average everyday waking consciousness, that's the realm of the middle world that we're all living in day to day, right? Um, through experiences like meditation and psychedelics um, and nature, we can experience um, our connection to the upper world, right? That might be classical enlightenment, that moment when we realize everything is one and one is all. Um, but what's a lot less common these days is the connection to soul. And by soul, you know, what we're talking about is our place in the world, our purpose, our calling, mm -hmm. right? Like, what's my gift? What's authentically mine to give to the world? And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's dangerous, right? Because in our world today, there's such a draw to the spiritual, which is beautiful and important. But if we don't recognize what we're here for, right, our, our place, our gift to give to the world, then where does it leave our world? Yeah, it's an interesting model, and I haven't <clears throat> really thought about it that way um, or heard it described that way personally. But yeah. it, it makes sense in putting that definition on. So I'm glad I asked you what your definition yeah. was because yeah, yeah. Um, it definitely makes sense what you're talking about. And I think, you know, it seems as though nature is the way to recognize a few guiding principles of the all. Like it, it's inherently balanced, you know, mm -hmm. unless we've tampered with it, right? Like right. it finds homeostasis naturally, like all right. the organisms and plants, and it's in flux and mm -hmm. it's in change. And Absolutely. It's still subject to climate and natural disaster and things like sure. that. 
So it's not like impervious to things, but there's a sense of balance in mm-hmm. there and there's a sense of competitive cooperation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That everything is, even if the, even if two things are competitive, it's they're competitive for their own species benefit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That it's, just, right. it's part of the process, part of the, the iron that sharpens the iron. You know, it's right. part of the way that it all works. And it it gives a model for how, if we insert ourselves into that global picture, mm-hmm. how we can function as well. But we right. end up not doing that because the middle world is so dominant. We're so right. mind and ego dominant. My, 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 this is my country, my border, my religion, my things, my money, fuck you. Totally. You know, that's what the middle world yeah. says repeatedly. And that's not what <laughs> nature <laughs> says, you know? And it's, uh, so it just kind of recalibrates the way we, yeah. we think about things. Yeah. I, so I, I love looking at soul as an ecological um, element to, to life and to consciousness, right? Um, it's, it's about our place in the world and our, our, our niche, right? Um, if we think about that, like just from eco, an ecological perspective, if you take, say, um, a squirrel, right? A squirrel's got its niche in the, in the natural world. Now, it's got its habitat as well. So let me make that distinction. Its habitat might be, say, where I'm from in Idaho, its habitat is the, uh, the evergreen forest, right? That's where it lives. Its niche is its role in the forest. So what does it do? What are its inputs and outputs? Well, uh, squirrels need to live, so they need to have a home, and they make nests, right? Um, they need I'm, nuts. They need nuts. They need to eat. <laughs> Exactly. So what do they do, right? They, they, they eat the seeds and the nuts from the, from the pine trees and the evergreens, and they shred up the bark to make their nests. Um, they might even tap a tree, like a birch tree, and, and lap up some of the sap. How do they do that? With their teeth? With their teeth, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now that's all input, right? But what's happening is they're having an impact on the environment, right? So they'll, they'll gather up those acorns or those pine cones, and they'll bury some, they'll stash them away, cash them away, and some will be forgotten, what happens? The trees grow, right? As a result, they're planting the seeds. Um, Squirrels need alpha brain. That's right. That's a plug, Brian. That's a plug. There's Forgetting a plug where for their you. nuts are. Yeah, they need, they need that. Although we've got to recognize that even that forgetfulness is a gift, right? Because what is it? It's a gift for the trees. Except if you want to make one really dope squirrel that just remembers where all their nuts are and he's just wealthy, the squirrel king, right. and just has mad squirrel bitches everywhere because right, right, right. he's got all the nuts hoarded <laughs> away because he's never forgot one of them. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's probably not good for nature if we yeah, start right. doing that. Yeah, yeah. No, so, no alpha brain for squirrels, Ryan. Retract that, retract that statement. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, so so they're having an impact on the environment, and and they're serving the environment, right? The trees get to grow um, with the, the with the the bark that they're shredding. Um, birds are going to use that for their nests, right? With the 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 sap that they're they're tapping out of those trees, insects are going to be drawn to that and and lap that up. So just by being their most natural selves, right? Just by surrendering to to who they are, right? they're 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 in service they're sharing their gift with the world and for us as humans it works the same way mm-hmm. right it's what is what is my uh, uh deepest gladness right uh, theodore buchner i think was a theologist who who shared this quote uh, our calling our purpose is where our deepest gladness meets the world's hunger right and that so this is a very natural thing that we're really here to surrender to 
right? Yeah. It's less about what am I going to do with my life, more about what is life going to do with me. Mm. Yeah. Our deepest gladness meets the world hunger, mm-hmm. world's hunger. That's a really great way to put it because I think the one thing um, that I've started to recognize is there's there's an ascension for me in how I can take any situation and bring it to the most conscious levels. Mm-hmm. And the most conscious, the way that I can do this is in any situation, I can ask, what is my opportunity to learn from this? Because mm. there's always Absolutely. an opportunity to learn, no matter Absolutely. what the fuck is happening. What yep. is my opportunity to learn from this? Yeah. Question number one. And that already starts to reframe things. Because right. then instead of just throwing a pity party where it's like, eh, 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 right. you're like, okay, what is my opportunity to learn from this? It puts you in the positive framework right. right away. So that first question out of the gate. Huge. Okay. So, and just doing that is 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 enough. But then there's the the next escalation is, what is my opportunity to love this? Mm-hmm. You know, and that, and, and for me, it's this kind of capital L love. It's not like mm-hmm. love you like you love uh, your new girlfriend or something like that. You right. know, it's like, what is my opportunity right. to love this? To understand that it has its place and I have appreciation for it and love for what it will bring and what I'm learning. And so it's kind of predicated a little bit on that first one because mm-hmm. the fact that you're learning helps you to love it, helps you to like right. love and be grateful for this whatever thing it is that you're going through right and then the third question which Mm -hmm. is the ascension is Mm -hmm. what is my opportunity to enjoy this Mm -hmm. which is like it seems like well enjoy is easier than love actually not necessarily it's sometimes easier to love just to have gratitude for something right but still not enjoy it and i think Mm -hmm. there is that opportunity that we have to enjoy mm-hmm. things that we don't even think we can enjoy right and and i think that's so so that's what you're saying like the world's hunger being met by someone's deepest gladness you know is i think being in service in that way yeah. and filling the bellies like if you cook a meal and you give it to people who are hungry mm. like your belly is full like you're big in, time. you're in gladness big you know like when you yeah. you hunt something and bring it home if you do like all of these times that we're of service to others it's probably some of our happiest times yeah. in our life so it's a really good way to think about yeah. the act of service you know that yeah. thing that you can be in enjoyment that also fulfills somebody else's mm. needs hungers desires absolutely yeah, so you know the, the the two phrases I think of on that point, Aubrey, are uh, one, what is uh, the gift in this moment, right? Mm-hmm. Anytime I come up against a challenging uh, moment in life, which is regularly, right, because we're yeah. all human beings, um, that's that's the question for me that that offers the reframe, mm-hmm. right? So it takes me out of victim mode, takes me out of blaming, puts me into ownership, puts me back into my power, recognizing, oh, okay, even though this moment's uncomfortable. Right? I'm facing something difficult. There's something in this for me. And another way to look at that is everything is perfect. Right. Yeah. In my work with, uh, with rites of passage, I'm always telling that to the initiates. Everything is perfect. Everything is perfect. You know, and it drives people nuts. Because <laughs> yeah. when you're not there, right, it's, it's, it's hard. It, it's not, it doesn't feel perfect. It's uncomfortable. It sucks. You know? And yet, that's the shift that, that, that needs to be made. Mm. Yeah. yeah people have a real hard time with that because we're always yeah. judging one thing is better than another thing and having right. but this deep attachment to preference is one of is is why the buddhists say that life is suffering right mm-hmm. yeah. because we're always comparing 
this situation to another situation rather than recognizing that you know that gift of the day is the day itself is the present is the present moment that you're in and it it cannot be any other than what it is except for what you can bring forward positively into your mind like so it's it's really interesting to to recognize and be in that place that where you are and what you're going through is perfect because perhaps this is what you've needed to grow perhaps this is an experience that you crave to have even if it was good or bad or you know, it's, it's a, there's a quote that I'd love from Hafez, the Sufi poet. Oh, yeah. And he yeah. says, wherever you are right now, God circled that place for you on a map, mm. you know, and, yeah. and God being, you know, your, your soul, the universe, whatever. I mean, sure. that's a challenging word for a lot of people, and I understand that. Yeah. Um, but just basically saying wherever you are right now, that's exactly where you're supposed to be, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's, it's a hard thing for people to accept, but mm-hmm. when you do, it's a really actually kind of empowering feeling yeah. and it allows you to forgive the past so that you can actually move forward exactly. with courage and, and freedom and liberation. Yeah. And that's huge, man. I mean, I, I watched your, your, uh, your video on the, uh, on the car accident a few months mm-hmm. ago. Right. And I was really impressed, man, with your vulnerability and your willingness to take that perspective. Cause that was a tough, uh, a tough hand to be dealt by life. Mm-hmm. Right. Dude, I mean that uh, that was that was must have been difficult. I can only imagine. Yeah. And yet, you know, you were able to hold on to the perspective that oh, there's a gift in here for me, and there's something for me to learn. I'm not going to be victimized by this, right? And uh, and I think that's a big part of the key to um, to discovering our purpose, our stepping into our potential, and and really what nature is offering us. Because even when we look at the natural world. Um, Sure, there's uh, death and destruction and chaos, but life is always regenerating itself, right? So uh, the death of one thing leads to the life of something else, and the whole system is always growing. Yeah. So when we take that, how do we take that into ourselves, right? Um, and that's where the, the, the vulnerable journey comes in, right? Like for me, um, as, as a boy, I had a, I had a tough time in childhood. Um, I suffered some trauma. I ex- experienced a lot of bullying. Um, my folks got divorced when I was a teenager, and it was a tough run, right? It was um, there was a lot of uh, blows to my self esteem in there, and for a long time, you know, up through I don't know my early twenties, um, I really had a pretty negative self image based on a lot of those experiences, and a lot of that stuff was just like the deep dark secrets I just wanted to avoid and and kept keep hidden away. Yeah. And in the journey of connecting with nature, uh, I always say the, the journey of connecting with nature is the, is, is the healing journey, right? Because through that, I've I found that self-love, right? I've, through the journey of connecting with nature, uh, because nature as a kid, it was always the place I would go to for solace and for peace, right? And, uh, and so as I, as I followed that forward in life, um, that led to some amazing things. Uh, connecting with uh, indigenous wisdom, Native American elders, uh, different wilderness school teachers, et cetera, et cetera. But through it all, Aubrey, what I found was that as difficult as some of those early experiences were, they were actually gifts for me. You know, mm-hmm. I'll never forget um, a couple of years ago, I was leading a, leading a rite of passage. And, uh, and, and one of the things I work with is the sweat lodge, right? Which is, of course, is the old uh, indigenous technology that uh, is really common uh, to to people the, all the way around the world, 
And um, <clears throat> I was working with a young man, and he was. Uh, it was clear that he uh, he had some some trauma in his own life that had been unprocessed, and it was it was just it was just ready to burst, right? And needed a little coaxing, needed a little guidance there. A little heat. A little heat, exactly. Yeah. And uh, physical as well as uh, from the heart, mm-hmm. and uh, and so so I provided both, and and he popped right. He he opened up and he cried. Man, he cried cathartically for like forty five minutes. It was a huge healing moment, and it was so big. It was one of the I don't know if you've experienced anything like this, but uh, it was so big that it it kind of had a domino effect on the others there, sure. and it opens up. Others start opening up, and my staff uh, was uh, on their edge to be sure. And I was just in this incredible flow state, right? I was having this moment of just like, oh my God, what a miracle this is that he's just releasing this. Because what, what, what's the work in that moment, right? It's to hold space for another human sure. being. It's okay, you can let this go. 45 minutes, right, of just bawling and letting this out until, you know, this deep peace came. And during that time, right, in the, in the peak of the, of the tears and, the, and the, releasing the trauma, I had this moment where I was sent back to my own trauma as a boy. And I was just like, my God, I am so thankful I experienced that back then so I could help this young man right Mm -hmm. here, right now. And that was a big reframe, man. I'll Mm -hmm. tell you what, like, because for years, for decades, that shit was my big black secret. Are you kidding me? Like, no way. And so to, to not only like be at peace with it, but to be thankful for yeah, it, be grateful for to, it. to be grateful for it, to love it, um, to enjoy it, mm-hmm. right? Like, holy crap, that, that's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, You know, that's is. a big deal. And so that's what I mean about like, wow, like uh, what is this, you know, what's the gift in this? What does this have to teach me? Um, how do I just need to be myself, you know, to serve others? Um, that was, you know, that was one of my favorite uh, moments on, on my own journey. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. I think for me, you know, you mentioned the accident and I think I've had enough practice and training and I've put myself in difficult situations enough yeah. that the big stuff, it's easier for me to make the leap to gratitude, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, so like the car accident, I kind of came out of that like, well, I know there's a big gift here and I know there's something right. I'm going to be grateful for here. I just don't know what it is yet. But, yeah. I, but I knew it was big enough that that was the only way I could adopt. That was the only mindset I could, you know, take on because anything else would have been really hellish, right? Like totally. If I would have been in the victim mode and, and done the other way with that and self-pity and all of this crap, yeah. like it, would, it was such a significant event, it would have buried me. Right. So it so it kind of forced me to, to take the higher perspective. Mm-hmm. And and the harder things, tra- traumas from the past, traumas in the present, the harder things, you know, it's kind of like, okay, I know what I have to do here. Yeah. I don't have any leeway. Yeah. But it's the little trivial stuff. Right. It's the little <laughs> nagging trivial oh, stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, oh yeah. my knee kind of hurts today. Oh no, I'm tired today. <laughs> you know, like that's the shit that just over time just is is kind of really illuminates how much more work i have to do even on the little stuff because mm-hmm. i can have an accumulation of all these little things that can make mm-hmm. my day not vibrant and not joyful mm-hmm. but nothing's been challenging enough for me to actually apply the lessons and the knowledge that i have right so i'll just kind of patch it up and go through the day it'll be like if i have a wound i'll know to care for that wound and mm-hmm. heal it but if I get a thousand paper cuts, I'll just kind of ignore it. Like, ah, paper cut again, ah, paper cut, right. you know? 
And so I think yeah. that's the that's the practice is to just get in that mind state where even for the little stuff, you just yeah. remember like, okay, this little fatigue is teaching me something. There's exactly. a little thing there and I can actually enjoy the remedy of that and mm-hmm. love the remedy, like yeah. love the remedy of that, which may be rest and maybe like mm-hmm. taking some time off or maybe going and meditating or a binaural nap or whatever the, whatever the hell you're gonna do. Right. Like it can just, you can really enjoy the whole process. And I think when I look forward to the next part of my life, it's mm-hmm. not that, it's not so much about the big things for mm-hmm. me now. And sure, there may be more big things coming up. Like sure. you could turn around the corner and you're like, I conquered all the beasts. And then you like meet right. a rhinoceros. And you're like, right. fuck. Right, right, right. <laughs> so <laughs> never know. Never know. But really, I think for me, it's about handling all of the little things so that I can yeah. really, you know, I, I want to be known as the one who enjoyed the second half of his life the most mm-hmm. he could. You yeah. know, like that's the. If people talking about oh what's your legacy whatever i don't know that's that's it for me like i want to be aubrey he enjoyed the second half of his life right the most he could you know like fuck yeah all right hell yeah and then the enjoyment again like you said from that that quote you know the gladness in filling others bellies Mm -hmm. you know is part of my enjoyment it's an inexorable part so people think oh enjoyment i'm gonna be on a fucking yacht somewhere like pouring champagne off my eyeballs right 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 no (laughs) you know like every once in a while maybe i will i'll go rob gronkowski on a giant Uh yacht and get wild like of course every once in a while but that's not what really feeds me you know like i can do that once every six months or a year or something on a what and uh, that'll be totally plenty and then the rest really i enjoy the most is doing stuff like this podcasts and speaking to people and working with people and putting my message out and those even those long days where i'm writing a writing Mm -hmm. my book and writing something and creating Mm -hmm. you know that's where so much of my joy comes yeah and just circling back to um what you were saying earlier about how do we face the little things right and the little moments i think the key word in there aubrey is practice yeah right because i'm imagining all the listeners out there right and and it's like, that's where it's got to begin, right? Each moment, moment by moment, how am I showing up here? If I can show up for the little things, I can show up for the big things. But it's got to be that practice. You know, we know this about human psychology and how we grow and how we learn. It's got to be that routine. Mm. Got to be that routine. So I invite everybody to just try on either one of these sets of questions. Like, what is, what is the gift here? Mm-hmm. Or my series, my escalation of three what is my opportunity to learn what is my opportunity to love this what is my opportunity to enjoy this yeah no matter what you're no matter what you're going through yeah just like try that try that on for a day try that on for you know half a day i don't care like try try exactly. it on for exactly. whatever comes up or just save it for when anything is troublesome or even you know anything's good you know like yeah. what is my opportunity to learn love or enjoy this even more you know right. what's holding me back so yeah yeah i mean i think yeah applying that perfect? and practicing it that's going to yield better result and i think another important thing is like don't don't worry about yesterday's like if you try this on and then you do pretty good for a day and mm-hmm. then you think like you got it and then you forget it and you don't got it and you're like oh like don't, <laughs> don't like let the burden of yesterday's learning affect today's like today is a new day mm-hmm. and you may have to relearn and repractice oh yeah you know, at a deeper like, level like the first like you can start a fire once mm-hmm. you know from scratch might get lucky <laughs> yeah yeah but and then maybe not be able to start it for the next three or four times yeah. right? right you know exactly. and like 
what are you going to do think that you're like you've lost all hope and you're the no you just keep trying to make fires yeah exactly and eventually you get better you know yeah it's a practice it's a practice yeah i tell my students right i work with a lot of kids and a lot of adults uh when it comes to nature connection and and uh you know everyone's uh we we do an exercise called the five minute fire it's a simple one right okay you get one match five minutes can you light a fire that lasts for 60 seconds right simple enough um, but, and everyone tends to think, oh, I know how to light a match. I know how to, how to do this. You know, 99 out of a hundred will fail that test the first time. Right. And the one person who gets it, it's usually luck. Yeah. Right. So I always tell, <laughs> I always tell my students, I'm like, who would you rather be with? Cause we get so attached to the outcome. Right. So everyone's uh-huh. like all bummed when they don't get their fire. Right. And I'm like, Hey, it's okay. Right. Just come back to the basic practice. Let's learn from this. But I tell my students, I'm like, well, who would you rather uh, be stuck out in the woods with? Somebody who's, who got lucky once and, 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 and knows how to light a fire, you know, but only did it one time? Or somebody who failed 999 times, but learned from each of those, right? And, um, and then actually figured out in a, in, a, in a meaningful, integrated manner how to, how to light fires. Yeah. Right? And so it's this idea that there's no such thing as a failure, if we learn from our mistakes, right? And that can be applied to, to anything. That's transferable Everything. all the way around. Everything. Yeah. What is, uh, since you mentioned the word rite of passage, and yeah. I think that's something that's been part of human development mm-hmm. culturally in sure. many cultures for tens of thousands of years. Huge. Um, but it's markedly absent or kind of vapid, kind mm-hmm. of plastic in our current society you know mm-hmm. i mean there's still rituals like the bar mitzvah which right. is like okay you <laughs> memorize a few things what does that mean you get some money from your relatives and yeah. you dance with somebody you know right. like it's not like it's yeah. not it doesn't have the real meaning it is or the quinceanera right. or there there's things that are there in different cultures mm-hmm. in different ways and not even every culture mm-hmm. But nothing is like nothing of substance, you know, not like the vision quest I went on when I was, you know, out of high school and I was mm-hmm. 18, not like, you know, the sweat lodge ceremonies that I'm sure you're mm-hmm. leading in the whole rites of passage. Yeah. So what do you, th- I mean, what do you think about that topic in general? And like, how can people, parents orient themselves? Like what's the need for the rites of passage and what are the ways that we can start bringing this back? Yeah, well, it's a huge question, right? And so I think starting off just by defining it because in a lot of circles today, um, it has become a popular term and people use that terminology in different ways, right? Like somebody goes through a big event in their life and they'll say, oh, I went through a rite of passage. Well, um, I'm a bit more of a purist in terms of the language, right? And the syntax. So for me, a rite of passage is an initiatory event that transitions a human being from one phase of life to another. Now, when we say fa- when I say phase of life, I'm talking about the big phases of life. So we've got birth, childhood, adolescence, adulthood, uh, maybe parenting, becoming an elder, and then death. Right? Like it's it's less than what is that six or seven. Um, so a rite of passage is, uh, and it's, in, it's inherently community-based, and it's inherently based in nature. So it's a ceremony that's recognizing this transition that we go through. Now, I also refer to it as an initiation, but an initiate, so all rites of passages are initiations, but not all initiations are 
rites of passage, right? Initiation may be a big event in your life that you learn something significant from. That can happen. Those things happen. But it doesn't mean that you shifted into a new phase of life. Right. It would be like saying my car accident was a rite of passage. Right. No. I would say it's an initiation. It was a test, an initiation, a challenge, uh, a gift, a blessing, whatever. You can call it a lot of things, but not a rite of passage. Right. Because I didn't try to smash my face into a guardrail. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It wasn't putting my fucking hand in a glove full of bullet ants on on purpose. Right. You know, it's just like, (laughs) it's different. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so classically, rites of passage, because they're so significant and so rare, right? The old cultures, all the earth-based cultures, indigenous cultures, they all understood the need for this. One of the things I've, I've learned more than anything, maybe from, from indigenous culture, is the importance of honoring the transitions in life. The, again, the big and the small. And those rites of passage, I mean, they're, they're the biggest, if you think about it. So, um, Right, so I lead rites of passage. I lead boys on rites of passage when they're entering into adolescence, right, and that shift into puberty and that new life stage that's coming in. I also lead men in rites of passage, right, taking young men and transitioning them into manhood. And what's called for there is a new sense of self, right? That's that's what it comes down to, is if, if a person's going to actually um, successfully grow up Right, because I mean, I'm sure I'm not the first person to say, right? Our our world is full of uh, 30, 40 year olds who are still teenagers, right? Developmentally, and so if 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 a person's going to grow up, they've got to come up against something significant and tangible. So the the key element in a, in a rite of passage, that as I see it, is that there's a challenge big enough, right? Formidable enough that they've got to face. As something that they've never faced before, literally like a challenge of a scope that is greater than, some, than anything they've faced before, that a part of them feels like, shit, I don't know if I can do this. Mm. Like I, I might not make it. Part of them is saying that. On the other hand, part of them thinks, well, maybe it's possible. And so what happens? Right? They've got to dig. They've got to dig deep within and, and draw from their, their core Right, and f- to face this unknown challenge of this huge scope, and in doing so, they're proving not so much to you know mom or dad or community. I mean, they are, but mostly they're proving to themselves that shit, I've got what it takes, and if I can do this, man, I can do anything. Yeah, it's a, a way to look at themselves differently. Yeah. Look at themselves as the person who went through this thing and so they know something about themselves yeah, exactly like you don't know yourself until you test yourself I think exactly Jordan peterson said that but yeah like this is the way that you get to say like okay i feel changes happening i feel this preparation and readiness you know to ascend to this next level to mm-hmm. transform in a certain way but i don't know if i'm there yet i don't know well, right. am i am i am i a right. man now or am right. i still a boy or what's going on right. like am i you know a provider or like what what's happening and then it's just kind of a point where you test yourself and you have to go oh yeah you know i am that thing you know am i a scared kid or am i now a young man with courage Mm -hmm. you know like i don't know (laughs) you think you might know right but you don't really know until you like put it to the test in some kind of meaningful way yeah and so as a guide of that work you know it's 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 a process of mentoring right like someone i'm working with um I'm going through a process of weeks, probably months, oftentimes even years, 
before going into that, right? Like these days, that's a pretty sexy term, right? And you say rite of passage and it gets a lot of attention and there's, there's whole organizations centered on facilitating rites of passage just as single one-time events, kind of like going through the McDonald's drive-through, right? And th that's a pet peeve for me because for me, I've always seen a rite of passage as just a node on a bigger journey, right? Like, so the boys that I take through when they're 13, I might've been mentoring them for six years. You know, the young men who are now 22, maybe I've mentored them for five, maybe 10 years, right? And even when I work with people one-on-one, -on -one, um, if there's going to be an element like that, I'm putting months of time in ahead on, on the front end so that I know who this person is. I know their strengths. I know their weaknesses. I'm showing up for them. I'm seeing how they show up for themselves and, and how they don't and can really dial that challenge appropriately. Because, right, if you... Um, if uh, this is like flow state right theory if you give a person a challenge that's not enough that they have too much skill for what do you get you get boredom yeah if you give a person a challenge that's too much that they don't truly too much like beyond their way beyond their edge you're going to get overwhelmed and a breakdown and neither of those is useful learning doesn't happen in either so if you imagine that xy graph where with skill on on the horizontal and and challenge on the vertical there's a sweet spot in there of flow learning which is where the challenge meets the skill. And for a rite of passage, it's very subtle because you have to ride just beyond that mm. flow state, right? Just beyond that sweet spot. Not, not much, but you got to ride just on the edge of that. Yeah. And that's where that real transformation <clears throat> happens. Almost like it's drawing. It's, you, know, you have to be a little bit ahead of where it's comfortable because it's yes. drawing you into a yeah. state where that will be comfortable. Exactly. Right, you know, and it's just pulling you, but not putting it so far that you get discouraged and retract further and actually, right. you know, think right. that you'll never make it. And right. So it's just enough to 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 have that tension, that kind of magnetic pull yeah. on your the iron of your soul, that magnetic pull to pull you into into a little bit of a higher state. Yeah. You know, and uh and that's that's powerful work. So so what are your so what are your techniques? You have sweats as one of your techniques that's that's part of it the big one i use is is the, and you mentioned it is the vision quest you know mm -hmm. for me aubrey that's um well that's my favorite yeah <laughs> put it yeah. that way you know i've i've done i don't know maybe maybe 10 quests in my adult life my first when i was 23 24 something like that and i've facilitated you know dozens i don't know maybe a hundred and the power of the quest you know this is uh, the quest is ancient Right. I mean, we can go back to all of the great, um, so many, maybe not all, but many of the great spiritual teachers. I mean, Jesus had his time in the desert, right? Uh, Muhammad in the cave, Moses. Yeah, G I mean, Jesus was forty days in the desert. That was hardcore. I went, I went fourteen days in Patagonia, <laughs> and I didn't couldn't even handle it. And it was Patagonia. It was beautiful. Right. It wasn't right. a desert. And it right. was fourteen, and I was like, "Damn, I can't handle this. I gotta get home. Any dogs? Right. Any exactly. dogs? <laughs> Any dogs? Everybody? Is that what you were doing down there? Yeah." Okay, yeah, yeah, right on. So um, it, it works, right? I mean, traditionally, it would have been four days, but you can do a quest, and I've done them in as little as 24 hours. Mm -hmm. um, but it's about, again, we've got to get out of this instant kind of consumeristic mindset, right? If It's not just about the event. It's about everything leading up to it. So traditionally, the quest and any rite of passage is going to have three phases, right? There's preparation, traditionally known as severance, there's the threshold event itself, the ordeal, and then there's reintegration, incorporation. 
So the, the, the severance, the preparation is about leaving behind who we've been, leaving behind this image, this story, these beliefs, right, of who I know myself to be, who, who I think Tim is, right? We've, there's got to be a shedding of that and entering into and, the mystery. And by the way, leaving behind sounds really friendly. Sounds like you could, oh, I'll just drop this <laughs> off. Like, I'll just take this it's suitcase It's got to die, off. Aubrey. It's got yeah, to yeah. die. <laughs> no, it fucking hurts. Yeah. Like, yeah. really leaving this stuff behind, yeah. it's like a death of a part of you. It something is. That you're holding on. It's like pulling pieces that are like Velcroed to the nerves. In cemented. Your, yeah, <laughs> cemented into the nerves inside you. And each time you peel, I mean, right. it, it's really hard. And that's, yeah. uh, I mean, I think that's probably the resistance that people have right. to these to these things like Vision Quest because the the shedding of the old, you know, when you haven't shed frequently enough and long or long, you know, as much as you needed to, if or it's maybe not it's practiced, just the right time, yeah, yeah it's, it's really, a big deal. It's, it's a, a really it's a big, a big deal. deal, and it's really it's big can deal. be an intensely challenging. Right, but compare that pain. Okay, let me let's just be straight up about this. Compare the pain of that death to the pain of, a, of living a life that's not your own, right? I mean, I've lived that. Incomparable. Right? I, I've, I've had those times where I'm like, I'm, I'm going through the motions, even things that have served as my purpose in the past, and it's like, this is not doing it for me. I, now, I'm a, the kind of guy, I can't live with myself when that's happening. I, yeah. I cannot. I've always been that way. And so if I'm not on track with my calling, forget it. You know, I, I honestly don't know how people... <laughs> How others can well, can live it. that way? They ignore it. So what, well, exactly. what, what do people do? Yeah. I mean, there's well, they many, check out. Right? They numb different, out. Yeah, yeah, numb out yeah. or distract. Perpetual action as distraction. You know, like Which you see that same, you see yeah. that person who's yeah. like everybody looks at like somebody who's obsessed with just scrolling through Instagram and sure. like staying busy and doing stuff and they're like oh they got ADD you know they got blah blah they'll try to diagnose it and try to blame right. the phone and shit like that. No, I don't think so. I mean, maybe uh, there's some of that shit going around. Whatever. I'm not a doctor. But I really believe that they're just running from the truth of yeah, who, they, who are they are and what they need to do yeah. and what, what the opportunity is, maybe not need, what the opportunity is for them to give their gift to the world, what their opportunity right. is to be in gladness and fill the bellies, to exactly. offer their medicine. And they're running from that by this constant distraction or depression, which is this mm -hmm. kind of place of hopelessness where you can just say, right. it's all not possible. I'm so small. I can't do anything. The world is against me. I'm just going to sit in this place of hopelessness. Yeah. Or there's the, you know, the other path of trying to prove something in some other way oh, to yeah. compensate for right. what you really know you should be doing. Well, well, I'm super jacked in the gym. So I got my, you know, love stuff figured out right. too you know oh, yeah. like i'm super rich so i'm not vulnerable and right so there's so many ways so many mechanisms that yeah. all of us are doing which is really running from the primary mm -hmm. truth of who we are and what we're called right. to do in the in the greatest greatest level and that's the key word what you just said which is the vulnerability right and i mean i'm 44 right so i've 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 been around at least long enough to know that if I'm going to really successfully do this, this thing called life, if I'm going to step into to my greatest calling, I've got to have a relationship with my vulnerability. Right? I've got to, and not, not for you. I mean, because yes, vulnerability will lead to connection. It'll lead to bonding. And that's beautiful. But first and foremost for myself, right? In those moments when I'm up against my edge, right? To just be able to slow down and recognize, shit, I've got a part of myself that's feeling 
really scared right now. And just like full stop. Okay. It's okay. I'm a human being. Yep. It's okay. That's huge. And that's the hardest thing for people. It's dude, it's it's the hardest thing for me. I mean, it's the hardest mm. thing for all of us. I don't think it it gets easier. I mean, it kind of does, but it no, kind of does. doesn't. It I mean, does. we can we can uh, we can pattern ourselves right as we practice the art of becoming comfortable with the the uncomfortable. <laughs> it kind of does get easier. Well, the the, the maybe the the primary the primary pain, the primary discomfort doesn't necessarily get right. easier, but the shame around yes. admission of it. Yes. Oh, that gets way easier. Big time. Yeah. Because then you, you start to realize there's nothing to be ashamed of. Exactly. And then you get curious, and instead right. of this like oh my god what is this you get curious and you're like oh well what is this yeah you know it's it's this and and you get and you practice that and then you just start telling people and you know that the result of your vulnerability when you express it is almost a hundred percent appreciation yeah you know like maybe there'll be that random you know hater who's too in their own protection and aversion and projection sure. that your vulnerability will trigger them trigger because them they're seeing the same thing in them but they don't want to admit it you, yeah whatever okay there's a couple of those people yeah. but overwhelmingly yeah. when you share your truth you find that the world responds in a positive way and you feel better and so you get right. used to this idea of like okay cool i have something right i have something vulnerable to share because yeah. you know that it's going to be medicine for you and it's going to be medicine for everybody else doesn't mean that the thing that that you feel is any easier <laughs> that's right. what you're exactly. saying like the thing you feel exactly. is still always going to be hard yeah. but the but the shame around it you know i mean even in it does lift it lifts and like yeah. even in communication and relationship you know like if you're the one who wants to be right and mm-hmm. if you're the one who wants to protect and not share what you're feeling mm-hmm. you know i've been that person i've been sure. the one like no i'm not jealous no i'm i'm good no i'm not <laughs> jealous you know and then what that ends up happening is it creates distance because mm-hmm. there's the sense that you know you're not being authentic and you're the person you're communicating with also right. can sense that you're not being authentic of course. yeah and then it just builds more distance and then the jealousy increases and then eventually there's a big explosion right which even then you may not even acknowledge it you may blame it away oh, yeah. and like not oh, even yeah. acknowledge it until finally you get down to the root and just say all right here it is this right. is me yeah. i feel like i'm the size of someone who could fit in the monopoly thimble like that's <laughs> right. how big i am right now and somebody else is rolling yeah. the dice and i yeah. just got the luxury tax <laughs> and you know right. like exactly everything's fucked you know yeah. and um and so it's it's interesting but yeah i mean you can definitely practice that yeah. removal of shame and just say oh yeah i'm feeling this okay yeah. yeah i know i was cool like a month ago and everything was good but right now i'm not today's yeah. this day and this is i'm feeling this shit again yeah but sorry i'm i don't know i mean this is just me i'm you know yeah. You get used to that. Yeah. And you know, what What helps is to to be in a community where that's being practiced. And, and mm-hmm. that's one of the things that brings me a lot of hope about our world today is more and more, it is becoming more commonplace, right? So you might find a mentor, you might just find some brothers or sisters who are practicing that regularly and it's it's beginning to normalize it, right? And as we do that, you know, we normalize it inside ourselves, and so, and we learn to show up for ourselves. And I think that's the biggest thing. And again, it's a practice, right? And so, yes, the shame does lift. In that way, it gets easier. But the initial pain, oh, it still stings. That's still there. You know, that's, I, I, if you can tell me somebody, and I would be interested, or anybody, right, um, who, who has found a way to avoid that, I mean, phew, you'll become a millionaire, I think. 
<laughs> or you don't care if you're a millionaire so you well, don't yeah <laughs> you yeah. know right like i mean the the person who i saw who was closest to that was my uh one of my mentors and yeah. through his books and also in person was don miguel ruiz oh yeah and um watching him approach the day i mean he mm-hmm. was somehow able to get to the point where every hug was like he was hugging his long lost friend that he's known forever and beautiful. hadn't seen in a year every sunset was like beautiful. the most beautiful perfect sunset that he, he would just look at it with a smile not, not it wasn't a show i mean the, the the content was done for the day and he would just be out there with his glass of red wine yep. you know he'd have one of those every night and he'd look at the sunset and he would just smile with this mm. like childlike awe and, mm. and enjoyment of the sunset and and it was just repeatable yeah you know there wasn't this hedonic tolerance of okay yeah i'm hugging someone it's another student and there's 12 other students right. i gotta hug like everyone was like wow Full i get to hug you whoa this sunset i've seen five thousand of these but this one whoa yeah. you know and that presence it gave me hope because it gave me hope that you know not only are there incremental improvements that are possible mm-hmm. but it gave me hope that there's a, a resting state of being yeah that could potentially be achievable yeah because because i do feel myself mm-hmm. more happy i do feel myself able to be more present able mm-hmm. to be in my emotional body whether that's bliss or whether that's tears of joy i mean i cry lots of tears of joy sure. way more than i ever have in sure. my my life before but i also retract back into old patterns of mm-hmm. you know distraction and pity and worry and fear and all of these things but then i you know i can remember don miguel and say okay well maybe maybe just maybe maybe i'll maybe i'll roll that yahtzee and yeah. i'll get that i'll get that yeah. state that sticks yeah but even if i don't it doesn't matter it's not about the end point it's about i know i am making gradual yeah, the improvements journey. and the journey is enjoyable and it's Absolutely. enjoyable making progress on this path to mm-hmm being more in love with life absolutely yeah i I had an elder and a teacher uh, who passed away in 2007 gilbert walking bull he was a traditional oglala lakota holy man right full blood and he uh he grew up he was born in like 1930 and a phenomenal story this guy right so he um he was raised by 23 holy people spiritual leaders in the 30s at a time when the those people the lakota people were were under attack right the reservation system had been established most people were on reservations and so the spiritual leaders came together many of them 23 came together and and recognized that their spiritual way of life was under attack and that it may be lost forever and so what they did was they banded together off reservation in a little uh, area near wombly south dakota and they gathered up 15 kids, young kids, that they had been mentoring, of course, and watching closely, and they saw had great potential as spiritual leaders and healers themselves. And so then they, they proceeded to raise these kids you know, for the next uh, 20 years. And uh, Gilbert was one of those kids, right? And he would, um, uh, in the years I spent with him, the last seven or eight years of his life, he would joke around, very, very poor people, right? And he said, our, one of our, the few toys we had were wheelchairs. I'm like, wheelchairs? He's like, wheelchairs. I'm like, why did you have wheelchairs? He said, because people would show up to my grandmothers and grandfathers in wheelchairs and leave walking, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, holy shit. Now, if you track back the, uh, the lineage, um, he, he's the great grand, he was the blood uh, descendant of 
uh, a holy man named Woptuka, and Woptuka was the healer who gave Crazy Horse the the charm that Crazy Horse wore behind his ear that made him impervious in battle. Right, so he has this amazing uh, lineage, wow. right, and and he goes back as well to uh, to Sitting Bull and some of the other great great leaders. And uh, you know, to sit with Gilbert was like literally sitting with an ancestor, you know. Mm. And I just cherish cherish those times, you know. I mean, there was I don't know a handful of us, my my current wife and and some close friends, you know, at the time would we'd go out there and and study with him, and and he'd bring us into the sweat, and and he would work with the sacred pipe. Um, and he had, you know, a whole, he had that presence that you're talking about of, of Don Miguel Ruiz, mm -hmm. right? He was, he was like magically fully present in mm -hmm. each moment. And uh, it, would, it would just blow my mind to see, you know, the stuff he was capable of and, and how, how big his heart was, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you imagine a people, right, who were, who, who, were, who were nearly decimated, right? His ancestors were nearly decimated by mine. Right, and here's this love coming from his heart, this willingness to share. Like I don't, I mean, I'm not in that role, right? But when we think about ancestral grief and ancestral trauma, it's like, wow, like what what perspective would I take, you know, if well, I were in that I mean, place? All of that is just a form of resistance that ultimately can yield the result of one who's able to love even more deeply, you know, right. like. And then again, that's the that's the thing. All everybody focus, you focus on the trauma, you know, and you call it trauma and not call it a, mm -hmm. an opportunity, mm -hmm. you know, to be, be a gift or it. be a blessing. Yeah. You know, in what way are yeah immense pressure, immense yeah. suffering, immense right. like unfathomable, right? Multi generational, multi generational, yeah. unfathomable. Yeah, but with every all of that comes an opportunity. Yes, comes absolutely. an opportunity to use that as the thing that catalyzes you even farther that yeah. kind of slingshot effect and it sounds like you know your mentor there was able to to do that in yeah. a way to to yeah. receive all of that pressure and not let it turn into the bile of bitterness but turn exactly. into the like the fuel and the energy to become love yeah and it's yeah. it's i mean so yeah i mean it's it's great to have those examples have these people that we know like oh oh that person right. you know that person gives me hope for where i might be heading mm -hmm. you know and yeah. not to put the expectation on being there is the only way to succeed but knowing that some things are possible and that's a great right. gift that we can give to people when we show them what is possible right. like hey it's possible to love this much it's possible to be this present it's possible to be this vulnerable it's possible mm -hmm. to be you know this on purpose this in touch with your soul it's possible right. And then other people are like, yeah, fucking possible for me too. Yeah. And that's yeah. really one of the biggest gifts we can yeah. give anybody is, you know, being. Yeah. And that's also one of the things that, you know, the world can't take away from us. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess it could kill us, but, you know, and we'll get a, probably a chance in another life <laughs> to do it anyways. Right. But, you know, th there's lots of things with our career, lots of things with our, what we provide, what we write, what we, whatever we think our gift might be, and we'll think of it in a tangible form. Mm -hmm. Like, oh yeah, I got four more books. Like that's my thing. But what if I can't write the books? Or what if something happens to my ability to reach my audience? Or, mm. well, the one thing that, no matter what, I can mm. do is I can go on my path of being, of being who I am, what I am, of knowing how I serve, mm. and 
nobody can take that away even if these other terrible things happen and the world turns on me and comes after me i can still use that to be a different way and maybe only a couple people will see that Mm -hmm. you know but that's okay you know because the big you see it because i see it and some somebody will probably see it too and even if they don't it just opens up that possibility you know by myself doing it it opens up that possibility and that's so that takes a lot of the pressure off of like well you know what if what if this book doesn't sell and what if this thing doesn't so what doesn't matter like all of these things are just descriptions of my journey to being yeah and the primary thing for me to worry about is just my journey to being Mm. And I'm really coaching myself here. So <laughs> like this is me giving myself a that's fucking how it goes. talk. That's how it goes. Because that's that's where I get tripped up because you sure. get worried about, oh, I want to be of service. I want to make a big impact. And then you start worrying about the impact and you realize how many fucking things can disrupt your ability to give an impact. Crazy. Right? But yeah. okay, but what's the thing that's of the most impact? Well, it's being someone that's gone mm-hmm. from someone who's slightly anxious and neurotic and depressed and all have all the tendencies that i have rampantly seeking validation and needing all of the to someone who is a little bit more like don miguel you know Mm -hmm. like through that process and that's enough yeah that's enough and that's within my control no matter what happens yeah and that's that ultimate security right that we're all yearning for um there was a i think it maybe was in the book black elk speaks um uh, the indigenous people, when the when the Europeans first came over to the, the North America, you know, they spoke about they saw the patterns of how they were being right in this kind of endless consumption mindset, and they spoke about uh, the emptiness inside the heart and the soul that was trying to be filled with all of these things, right? And that, of course, was is impossible to do, right? You're never going to uh, fill that void with external the external validation or money or power or fame or food or mm. drugs or you know whatever um it's got to be met from within you know and and that that cultivating that trust cultivating our own relationship with the deepest sense of who we are and our deepest place in the world that's where that satisfaction comes from you know and it doesn't mean that, yeah, we don't have problems, right? Because a lot of people, uh, you know, hear about my work, they're like, oh, discover your purpose. They're, it's like the holy grail, right? Once I know my purpose, you know, it's easy street from here. Like, well, no, you're still going to have yourself, right? Yeah. You're still going to have basic fear, basic resistance, but you can have a different relationship with it, right? You can have a different relationship with yourself. And that's what I yearn for, you know, for, for others, for you, for me, for all of us, you know, for our world is a world where we know ourselves in that way and and that you know we we've addressed that void uh, from from the very core right yeah. yeah that's awesome man i think i'm you know grateful for the work that you're putting out there and i'm yeah, right on. grateful for you coming out here to yeah do this podcast yeah um based in idaho uh-huh and but you, do you travel around at all? Do you do any? Uh, other, a little bit, little a little bit? bit, not too much. You know, I work with people remotely. Yeah. So if people are interested, um, you know, we've got our, our wilderness school that people can come out to. That's Twin Eagles Wilderness School on the web, twineagles.org. And uh, and if people want to do some one on one work, that's my newer work at Purpose Mountain. And that's www.purposemountain.com. And um, so I work with people, you know, Skype and phone and. And that kind of thing and I, I lead vision quests so people can come out and come mm-hmm. out and do a, a full experience you know in idaho or i can lead people remotely that kind of thing yeah 
Yeah. Beautiful, man. Yeah. It was a pleasure hanging with awesome. you. I'd love to get out yeah. in the wild with you someday. Beautiful. It'd be great, man. Yeah. That'd maybe be we'll, great. Maybe we'll co-create some experience. I, I would love it. That'd be sweet. Some, bring some people out and learn yeah. some things. Yeah. I appreciate be being here, Aubrey. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Thanks for listening, everybody. For those of you interested in following more of Tim Corcoran, go to TwinEagles.org and Purpose Mountain, his latest project, and check out what he has to offer. I'd love to get out there in the wild with him. Maybe I'll see you guys there at some point too. But nature is such an important part of our lives, and it's time to bring it back to the forefront of our own medicine bag. Enjoy the podcast. Oh, whoops. Have a great week, everyone, and I'll see you next week.